Um, a couple of things, well, one thing I want to do before we, uh, we move on to the Word, uh, which our wonderful Pastor Mel is going to be bringing, it's going to be cool, uh, and that's, I want to share with you uh, a pretty powerful prophetic word that, um, that Greg received earlier this year, and one that is coming to fruition uh, now at this time. Um, if, you are, if you're a visitor here, if, you, if you're new and you're just checking out uh, The Rock, well, I want you to know from the get-go that we are a people who are seeking the voice of God now. We want to hear what God is saying to us now. So we are listening for the prophetic voice that's God speaking to us at this time. And here's one of the things which God has spoken, something he spoke specifically over our senior pastor, Greg, this year. If you've got your word with you, turn to Joel chapter 2. And write this down. This passage of Scripture is so pregnant with meaning, not just for Israel then, for Judah then, but for us now. Joel chapter 2 from verse 15. Blow the ram's horn, trumpet in Zion. Declare a day of repentance, a holy fast day. Call a public meeting. Get everyone there. Consecrate the congregation. Make sure the elders come. But bring in the children too, even the nursing babies, every, uh, even men and women on their honeymoon. Interrupt them uh, discreetly and uh, get them there. Between the sanctuary entrance and altar, let the priests, God's servants, weep tears of repentance. Let them intercede. Have mercy, God, on your people. Don't abandon your heritage to contempt. Don't let the pagans take over and rule them and sneer and, so, and say, where is this God of theirs? At that, God went into action to get his land back. He took pity on his people. God answered and spoke to his people. Look, listen, I'm sending a gift, grain and wine and olive oil. The fast is over. Eat your fill. I won't expose you any longer to contempt among the pagans. I'll head off the final enemy coming out of the north and dump them in a wasteland. Half of them will end up in the Dead Sea, the other half in the Mediterranean. And it goes on and on and on. This is a specific word that was uh, given to Greg. And this is what came with it. Greg, when we came to the rock, I had a vision of you with this huge cricket bat that you were smashing against this large jungle-like gym structure deconstructing and removing that which was not genuine and authentic. Only the gold beams remained and they stayed suspended in the air on their own. This has been a time of deconstruction. I believe that you have an important part to play in the reconstruction time ahead. You are gifted like the teacher mentioned in Joel. He's giving you a teacher to train you how to live right. Teaching like rain out of heaven, showers of words to refresh and nourish your soul, just as he used to do. You lead us and train us in how to live as citizens of heaven with instructed words from God that will refresh and nourish us. But the us is to become more than the rock community. And I believe God is saying it is time to begin constructing the new church with him. This is not a reconstruction, but a new construction for the last days we are entering. New Zealand is to be a church that is a seed pod church, that the wind of the Holy Spirit will blow out over the face of the earth. God will redeem our New Zealand pioneer spirit from self-sufficiency and send his Kiwi children 
uh, out to spread the word and birth new ministries that will save the widows and the orphans. And he will be placed, uh, and we will be placed in governance in foreign lands just as Joseph was in Egypt. A couple of weeks ago, I saw another vision uh, at Mountain Movers and saw God's fist poised above the demonic ceiling that has been built by Satan to separate us from God. Above the ceiling is brilliant sunshine and below is grey. I see demons vomiting and defecating a sticky resin-like substance that they busily wrap around people and bind them up, crippling them so they can't hear or see. They also paint this resin up in a ceiling that separates heaven from earth. Where there was worship, there were cracks in the resin, ceiling, and the glory of God glimmered down and there was healing and joy. The glory of God and faith is like a mercury-like bronze metallic liquid that pours over his people and melts away like acid, the resin of sin and decay. People are freed and, and rejoicing, healing and blessing and joy abound. I see God's fist poised above Wellington and I believe God wants to waken the sleepy-headed church of New Zealand. He wants to start with the rock and he wants you to sound the trumpet and gather the people of the rock as in Joel. Greg, I believe that you are to literally and physically sound the trumpet to awaken the New Zealand church. God is poised, ready to act, awaiting a man who will step up and sound the standard and call of God upon the land. God has heard the cry of the widows and orphans across the face of the earth and is ready to deliver them through New Zealanders going out as seed pods, pioneering faith and righteous governance and deliverance. I also believe that God wants me to tell you that he won't ask again. Yeah, that's all pretty full on. It's okay if you are weirded out by that. Sometimes the vision and the prophetic words that God gives us are full on. But when we step out in faith and obedience, what we see is God move full on. I don't know who brought this prophetic word But I do know, and I was in the room when a prophet that I know and recognize, the gift on his life, confirmed so much of that word. Not having heard a word of this, he saw Greg blowing a trumpet as well. That's a weird thing to see Greg doing. Greg's not a trumpet player. Doesn't play anything other than he can sing a bit. The trumpet thing is a vision from God. And I believe to the core of me that God is letting us out and he wants Greg at the front. So we're going to do it. Sunday the 28th of October, here at 3pm, the community of the Rock is going to gather. We won't have a morning service, we won't have an evening service. We will have a united gathering here at 3pm. We are going to worship God, we're going to declare his greatness we're going to start seeing more cracks appear in that filthy resin that's been holding the glory down. And then in obedience and fulfilment of a prophetic word, our senior pastor Greg is going to blow a trumpet. He's going to sound the trumpet call, blowing the ram's horn to release what God is saying he wants to release, not just over us, but over our city, over our nation, and then as seed pods out to the world. This is about unity. This is about recognising the prophetic voice in our church and stepping out in faith. Our invitation to you is come and step with us. If you want to join us and make The Rock something more than just a church service and a group of life groups, 
but actually claim what God has for us and make a difference in this world, well, it, it means this. God is laying out a plan for us and he's making it very explicitly clear. We just obey, we do it. And then we see what he does. All right? October 28, 3 p.m. Oh, I'm excited. Man, I'm getting chills thinking about the trumpet thing. Oh, full on. All right. That's that. I'm, actually, I'm just getting chills that God is speaking so clearly to us. Man, I can't wait. People are seeing visions. I'm not seeing visions. I want to hear these other visions. People are hearing God's voice. And I'm, I'm hearing these words just resound in my spirit. I'm like, more, Lord, more. So, yeah, come on. All right. Enough of that. Me. Mel. Let's give Mel a hand. I'm just... I know that Mel's been carrying this heavy and she's been wrestling with this word. And I just want to pray now, God, that just thank you for raising up this vessel, your mouthpiece, Lord, and the spirit that she carries, your spirit, for all the lives she touches, Lord, and for those that will be transformed through her work tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, that this burden would now rest lightly on her, Lord, as you, you speak through her powerfully. I pray, Lord, that your word would just find home in our hearts and that we would leave different. So thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in her and through her now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh, that was um, awesome. And I just feel like that gave um, context to my message tonight. So it's um, not completely weird. I'm just going to move this back. <laughs> Um, so, uh, good evening, and um, thank you for all being here, and um, thank you for praying this morning. I wasn't very well today, and, and yesterday, but um, I'm feeling a little more alive, and um, I'm very excited to, to bring what I feel like God is showing me personally, and um, also what I feel like He's doing at The Rock, and it is, it's very, very clear, and um, it's just makes it that much more exciting. So <clears throat> I'm just going to start with a picture, which I just think is hilarious. So please laugh when you see it. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> That's a really cool thing. The suspense will make it funnier, hopefully. <laughs> Just a minute, all right. Do we have any new people here today, tonight? Put your hand up if I don't want to embarrass you, but I just want to welcome you. And um, this message is very much for the rock, um, but so. I hope the word before would just give you a, a really good idea of where we're going and, and, and what we're doing, and it's, it's not completely random. How are we going? Is that picture? No. Thank <laughs> you. 
tell you, it's been quite a day. Oh, here we go. Okay. All right. This is Jesus with us, or with one of us. My child, I never left you. Those places with one set of footprints was when I carried you. And the next one, that long groove over there is when I dragged you for a while. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so classic because it's so me. (laughs) And and it makes me think of parents, actually, and probably because I've got a little one on the way. Um, But, you know, my parents, (laughs) who are here, hi guys, um, there are times where they had to to drag me. And um, parents, you know, they... They have such greater perspective and foresight and they, they offer their children, they, they invite them into a life of fullness and um, they give them opportunities to, uh, to receive things that are going to grow them and mould them and nurture them into people that are significant um, and and so this picture just reminds me of parents, but it reminds me of God too, and how in his infinite wisdom and his incredible foresight, he invites us into a life of fullness in him. Um, and like my parents, you know, in, in those times when they would offer me great experiences, we did a lot of traveling together as a family, um, they, they taught me um, a lot of things, you know, but at the same time they gave me freedom. And it was freedom to respond to what was on offer. And I could go left, I could go right. Um, They would advise me, they would guide me. But at the end of the day, it came down to me what I would do. And um, if I had to describe where I'm at at the moment and what God has been doing in my life, the best way to describe it is God um, with a big bottle. And I always picture a big bottle because it's from heaven of maple syrup and um, he's like squirted it just in front of me and I've, I've taken it and I've tasted it and I'm like, oh, that is sweet. But it's only enough to draw me closer to him. And then he drops another little drab of um, maple syrup and I taste it. And it's gotten me to a point where I'm so curious about this taste in my mouth these glimpses that he's given me, um, that has led me to the question of, God, how much of you can I obtain in this earthly life? How much of you do I get to taste and seek out and come to know um, on earth? And what for? What are you leading me to? What is the purpose? And so now I'm, I feel like I'm literally at a border and um, He's about to enter me into new land. And it's land that is unfamiliar, land that is unknown. Um, But I know it's land that I've tasted and I've seen and is in my sight and he's calling me to possess it. And so in the past couple of months and the last year, I've tasted and I've acknowledged what is to come. But there is a difference between acknowledging and possessing, and this is this is what he's <coughs> excuse me doing in my heart. And when I think about the ongoing testimony of Jesus and what he's done in my life, I see him um, walking with me, leaving old territory, old lands of thinking and being, 
uh, crossing borders where sometimes he is ahead of me and calling me uh, to discover this new land that is in him. But I'm in constant mode of change, requiring a constant uh, renewing of the mind in order that I'll have capacity, a capacity to know him more. The journey to pursue the possession of God requires me to be more dependent on his spirit, obedience and to have greater faith and to take greater risks, which is scary, um, but it's, it's part of possessing. I say my ongoing testimony because he's still walking with me, as in this picture, and I'm still discovering the person of Jesus every day. There is still land that I have not conquered or possessed, but is in my sight. And the longer I walk with Jesus and discover the land of his heart, the greater my testimony is of him. So I hope this is making sense, because what I'm finding is the more, the more land that he invites me to possess in him is giving him greater permission to possess land of my heart that I haven't given to him. So, <coughs> um, a few years ago, I would have acknowledged Jesus as healer. Today, I possess the knowledge of Jesus as healer. And that is a part of me that can't be taken away because I've experienced it. It is my testimony of the witness of Jesus. Does that make sense? And so, possessing and acknowledging is very different. And the land between acknowledging and possessing is experiencing. Cool. So, um, where my testimony started was actually God taking me to uh, physically a new land. And I set out at 19... Uh, to go to the land of the UK. And to me, that was milk and honey. <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> I discovered it wasn't. No. <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. That's for Greg, too, in Auckland. No. Um, and to me, this was the place that, um, at, at the age of 19, I was ambitious. Uh, and in, in the UK, it was going to be the place where um, I was going to study and become a businesswoman and uh, like my dad following his footsteps, I was going to um, kind of build this uh, empire uh, that kind of looked at communi uh, communications and media. Okay, it's weird, I know, right? So I had this, this thing. And money was a thing to me too. I wanted to be com comfortable, I wanted to be self-sufficient. Um, and I also saw myself... Uh, with a steady boyfriend. I didn't see myself married. I, it wasn't really a thing. Um, I just wanted to be independent and I wanted freedom. And when I got there, <laughs> my parents will tell you this, um, I wasn't there long until I found myself in church. And um, amazing, God just welcomed me home. But the very thing that I thought was freedom and, and things that were good, like independence, um, God defined actually as slavery. And that the things that I was chasing were just things to, um, 
were just things that were actually covering up my heart and heart. Like getting married, to me, that was your trap. And if things get hard, you can't run away. You're committed for life. And so, um, you know, that has also been part of my testimony, a renewing of the mind when it came to marriage. When Kirk asked me to marry him, that was actually not an easy thing for me because I didn't believe in it and it was land that I didn't know. The only familiar land I knew about relationships was a far cry from a godly marriage. And so, anyway, I left the UK as a different person um, because God wanted to show me uh, new land in him. But what it did do to me going to a foreign place was it caused me to be dependent on him because I didn't know a lot of people. I didn't really know anything about the UK except that somehow I was going to achieve everything there. Um, But I actually um, caught a glimpse of God and was forever changed. And um, yeah, so anyway, that story reminds me of Moses and how he led people from a land, from uh, the land of Egypt to the promised land. And um, it's really interesting when we read in the five books in, of, of the Torah, which is Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's, these five books um, start and sort of pretty much end, um, except Genesis, with the whole experience that the Israelites went through to possess land that God had invited them to. And um, it's, it's so fascinating how people, how Moses and his people went through land to land, but more fascinating at the response of the people to God's invitation to possess new land. And that's what I want to look at more tonight was how the people responded to God's invitation, to his teaching and his instruction, and also um, to what he was actually trying to prepare them for. Because surprisingly, you would think that the people of um, uh, the Israelites, that they would have actually wanted to get out of Egypt, right? Because to them, that was they were in bondage. They were slaves. Um, But if we look at the history of Israel and its people, it seems to be a story where fundamentally the people didn't get what God was inviting them to. And so we can learn from the book of Torah, sorry, from Torah, uh, uh, the, the five books, we can learn how to respond to God and how not to respond to him when he's inviting us to possess new land. And the word Torah um, means to guide, teach, um, so teaching, doctrine, or instruction, which I think is really appropriate for where we are as a rock community. That in the season we are in, we are very much learning to incline our ears to the teaching of God, to, to really allow our spirits to be guided and an absolute obedience to how to live. And, um, and I think that's been part of switching the worship and the word around, is that we're looking at the word, we're looking at the instructions, the guidance that God is wanting to give us because he is preparing us 
to possess a new land that is unfamiliar to our hearts and that is going to require obedience, um, a, a hearing of his word, um, a dependence, an intimacy. And um, I, yeah, I would like to suggest that the, ro- the rock community is in the very same place as um, what the Israelites were when, when Moses when God um, spoke to Moses about inviting them into this new land. You see, new and unknown land will either create a greater dependence on him or it will create um, opportunities for the heart to turn away and harden because of the risk that is at hand. And, you know, prophecies um, can seem rich with expectancy and fullness and abundance of glory, uh, which we have had over the rock, haven't we, about um, you know, being a people and, and that we're changing to become something else. Um, this thing that with Greg um, blowing the chauffeur, these are all incredible prophecies. But we, ne- we need to remember that prophecies are for a purpose. They are actually to um, encourage us forward into what is for us to possess. And sometimes, you know, in the time of the wilderness or in the time of experiencing God, it's not always very glorious. It's, it's hard because suddenly our hearts are exposed. Suddenly we are facing things where we have a choice to respond and our responses shock us. <laughs> we actually have moments where we're like, wow, that just came out of me. What is that? You know? But that's all part of it. That's God preparing us uh, for, for what's ahead. And so, looking at the people and looking at the response of Moses, one response led to extinguishment. One response led to distinguishment. So, in one way, we can respond in a way that our faith is going to diminish and our hearts are going to harden and we're going to turn away from the very thing that God's invited us to. Another response is turning to him and being obedient and listening closely and capturing every glimpse and every taste that he puts before us to taste and move forward, not to run away. And so I just want to look quickly at the extinguished response. So if we can look at Exodus 15, uh, 22 to 26. Now I am just going to grab a few things out of the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy. Um, so um, you're probably not going to be able to keep up. I'm sorry, but it's, it's more just to point out uh, the responses of the people while Moses was trying to lead them to this promised land. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They travelled in the desert for three days without finding any water. And when they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was bit too bitter to drink. And so they called the place Mara, um, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses, asking, what are we going to drink? They demanded. They demanded. And so right here we see unbelief rising, where the people did not trust God to provide. They turned against the very person who was trying to lead them into what was freedom for them and under God's care. 
instead of seeing this as an opportunity to know God and trust him um, as their provider, their hearts hardened and they complained. It was their admirer that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will, make you, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And see here, God wants to show himself as healer. He's giving them the opportunity to respond, to possess an aspect of him that they might not know. And that's okay if they don't know him as healer, but it's not okay when we don't grab the opportunity to know him in that way. We read on to Exodus 16. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin. Between Elam and Mount um, Sinai, they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Their heart at times... If, um, oh, sorry. Complained about Moses and Aaron. Um, and they would say, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots with uh, pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Just like, what? What are you guys saying? What are you, you know, and, and it's so easy to look at the people in that time and be like, how did you miss the boat so badly, you know? But actually, we complain all the time, don't we? We complain about leadership. We complain about Greg, what he's doing, where he's leading us to, and why. Because we actually think the familiar land that we once possessed, that kept us in slavery, is better for us. And it's so far from the truth. And instead of inquiring of the Lord, we complain to the leader, Greg, where is this water? What, what are you doing? How are you fulfilling my need? And if you're not fulfilling my need, that means God's not here. And it breaks my heart because we've been invited to, to so much. And, and just an example with Greg, he is, he is trying to lead us into the fullness of that. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can get out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, By, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints which are against him, not against us. What we have done, um, what have we done that you should complain to us? Then Moses added, The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? 
Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. And so I just, I feel I need to make that really clear, that when, when we are complaining against leadership, we're complaining about God and his decision to put those very people in leadership to lead us into a greater freedom. And so it's for us all to learn, because I've been there, <laughs> but it's for us to learn to instead of going to the leader and demanding what we need, go to God and ask him, what, what do I need? And instead of complaining, instead of complaining, ask questions. I don't understand. I'm not seeing this. I don't, I'm not catching glimpses of this eternal purpose that you're calling us to. Help me see, which I know the very heart of this leadership team is, is to do that. Few are those who see with their own eyes and feel with their own hearts. Moses had his eyes fixed on Jesus. That was his role. His role was to keep his eyes fixed on the very word that God had, had called him to. And, you know, and when we fix our eyes on Jesus, something has to die. <laughs> something always dies. But it's only the part that is hindering us from becoming more like Jesus. And so, this whole dying to self is absolutely part of the journey. It is absolutely part of the journey because that is the whole purpose of this calling, is to look and reflect Jesus. And so parts of us have to die. But the thing is, it's not a striving it's actually when we look at Jesus, we are sanctified. When we look at Jesus, parts of us, the parts that are not him, die away. At the Lord's command, oh sorry, just going back. You know, the greater the revelation of God, the greater the responsibility is to carry out the assignments. And it was the same for Moses. He saw things in a, greater, in a greater way than most of the people that he was leading. And so I'd like to ask us going forward to honour and value the very revelation that Greg has for this people, for us as a group, and to actually trust what he's bringing to us. It's a risk, I absolutely agree. But if we believe that he's here for a, for a point in time, this season, to lead us into that, then we'll understand that actually for him, he's dying to self big time. He is on his knees more than what we would ever imagine because he has such responsibility on him because of the revelation he has. See, God's reality for his people for the land of Egypt, was not their deliverance, but the very purpose of the deliverance. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me, and why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by the thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. 
Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children and our livestock, with thirst? You see, sometimes when, when you carry uh, the vision alone and the, other, the others that you're leading are not seeing it, they actually start to demand. They actually demand and ask you to supply their need instead of going to God. And it, it can get heavy. Moses named the place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Is he even here? And so that's what I was saying earlier. You know, when, when our needs aren't being met because we're not having certain ministries for certain things or, you know, the rocks change so much, what's actually going on there? Does that, are we saying that God is not here because, because our personal needs aren't being met? It's just something to think about for all of us, absolutely all of us. See, the extinguished response says, my needs are, being, are not being met in this church, and so it must mean God's not here. The extinguished heart entertains unbelief about what's ahead, and it lacks faith. It lacks faith about um, looking at the, the people when they were coming through the wilderness, you know, the, the works that God had wrought for them and bringing them out of Egypt for providing for them in the wilderness, plaguing and ruining their enemies, and at length putting them in possession of land of promise. And how ungrateful they were for God, for his favours to, to them, and how many, um, and how many in great uh, provo- provocations, so provoking, uh, they were guilty of. They murmured against God and distrusted him and did um, but counterfeit repentance and submission when he punished them, grieving, uh, which led to grieving and tempting God. Then the people complained and turned against... Oh, sorry. Wrong notes. Um, yeah. And so we, we just see them grumbling against what God is doing, calling them to. And um, how they, um, you know, try to hold on to the slave mentality when actually there was just so much an offer of freedom. See, when the heart starts to harden, it starts to complain. It starts to gossip. It starts to see things that aren't actually quite there. And I, I've been in that place, and, and I still have times like that where, where I have to be very aware of what is hardening my heart. And so when the heart starts to harden, the flame on the heart starts to extinguish, and we turn away from the very promise of God, settling for less than, than what is on offer. So if we go to Hebrews 3, And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who, who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ 
as the Son is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house, if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. So if as a family we can start to see that this season we are going through is not just about being delivered from the old, but it's, but it's about entering the new for a highly significant purpose that has eternal ramifications that we must be aware of um, as we are warned that we can make the same mistake as the Israelites did in the wilderness. See, God wants to move the rock from from a place where we can be easily extinguished, where our hearts can easily harden. Because we know, and, and Scripture talks about this, you know, um, many's faith will grow cold. And it's happening. There's a lot of things in the world that, that can dim- diminish that flame, our faith. And so God is truly calling this house, this, pe- this people, this group of people. He wants to move us from a place of extinguishment to a place of distinguishment. And that is the very purpose of why we are going through this. And it may not always seem glorious, but I, but I know that I know that what is ahead is for us. And it's to be a distinguished people that will be an example to nations. I believe it with everything. And that is the call on us. And the only way to go from extinguished to distinguished is a submission to God, an obedience and intimacy, to trust him as provider and as protector. Um, It's submission to the leading of his appointed leadership team and into the purpose of the rock. The purpose of the rock, you know, um, loving him... um, Here we go. (laughs) Knowing him, loving others and walking together. When we when we say, you know, this is this should be your purpose in life, not just in the rock, it's to lead us to the purpose of being distinguished people of God. Um, It's leading us to the purpose of knowing him, truly knowing him, because of the the eternal consequences of that, which is incredible. It's going to require unity in faith and also an encouraging of one, one, of, uh, one another daily. And daily, I, you know, I read this the other day and, and uh, we were talking about it as a staff, you know, how often do we encourage one another daily? Because it's, it's the fuel, it's the fuel to keep going in times like this. It's the fuel in the, wil- in the wilderness. I, I believe, you know, if the Israelites just encouraged one another instead of complaining, 
they probably would have been out of there way earlier than, you know, they didn't, some, most of them didn't make it. But we are going to make it. Because <laughs> we're going to be encouraging one another and we're going to be unified in faith. And we are going to um, value and love the people that are leading us because we want to trust them. And in times that we don't, we ask the Lord. <laughs> Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my, my own special tre- treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped, and he said, O oh Lord, if it is true that I have found favour with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sin, and claim us as your own special possession. It blows my mind. That should be our heart, is that we will be God's possession, and that he will be ours. The Lord replied, Listen, I am making a covenant with you in the presence of all peoples. I will perform miracles that have never been seen before anywhere in the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord and the awesome power I will display for you. But listen carefully to everything I command you today. And remembering that God wants to make us the holy priesthood, and, um, and Moses says, claim, claim us as your special possession. I think, you know, part when, when God gives us a word and he doesn't tell us exactly where we're going, when he just gives us those glimpses and those tastes, it's so that we will stay closer to him. So we don't run ahead or, or we don't try to do our own thing, but it, it actually demands us to step, that every step we take is, in absolute um, obedience and union with him. God's word is living and he doesn't expect uh, us to just hear it and move along uh, because his word is empowering and it's an enabling grace that demands a change. And when we are obedient to his word, we are changed. And, you know, going into new land, we need a renewed mind. And a renewed mind is to see as God does, doing away with the old. And in the same way, you know, many of us Christians, we we can repent enough to get forgiven, but not enough to see the kingdom. Jesus' first instruction was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But just as the Israelites did, such believers miss out on all that is available in the authentic Christian life. And we're just... um, we're in danger of settling just for religion, just for doing things, but not actually being. See, the thing that is going to distinguish us in God's eyes is our faith. The thing that will distinguish us in the world is his glory. 
The thing that will distinguish you from another believer is your obedience. And the thing that will distinguish the rock from the nations is the obedience and the intimacy and the very following of his word. Deuteronomy 34, 10-12 There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and the entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all of Israel. We see that God has a soft spot for those who have faith. He chose Abraham for his faith, Moses for his faith, and the disciples. God's choice of people are always the one who seem as insignificant or powerless and all with no status. And if they do, then he puts them in the desert, plops them there for 40 years, and they're humbled. Um, But he took the lives that looked like they could easily be distinguished, like leaders... um, Oh, sorry, he took the lives that looked like they could easily be um, extinguished um, but takes them to become lives that are distinguished. Like leaders, kings, um, powerful and even bold disciples and more. But all these potential extinguishable lives by God's grace chose to believe God and respond to his invitation, both Old Testament and New Testament, and they became our forerunners our church fathers, the fathers of the faith, and it shows us his mercy towards us, that, that his very heart is to take us and move us from a place um, where we could easily be extinguished to, to really a place where we are set apart, where we look different and we're an example. The rock is entering its new lands, lands that are unknown, unfamiliar, and they will expose what is in our hearts. Some good and some not so pretty, but we've been given the Holy Spirit to guide us, and Jesus died so that we would be empowered and enabled by his grace to obtain all that he has given us. This is the wilderness and a time of testing what is in our hearts. And, and to see, will we pursue God uh, with our whole heart, and will we trust him in this time? Our response to his invitation is what will count. We will either be extinguished by unbelief, hardened hearts and a slave mentality, kicking and screaming against the very thing that God wants to do, or we will become a distinguished group of people set apart unto the Lord, an example to others by responding with faith, in obedience and unity, encouraging one another. The reason why we don't always automatically get it is that we have to receive God's grace to start seeing things as he does, to perceive as he does. The process of perceiving things as he does and then choosing to agree with it is called repentance. The choosing to turn your heart to God, not away, is repentance. And sorry um, I did this is, is not repentance. We, we can be sorry and, and, and that um, kindness leads us to repentance, but It's actually um, the power of God's wonderful and abounding grace that when when we are sorry, we take that grace of his forgiveness and it changes us. 
And so we come to him and go, I'm not seeing like you're seeing and I want to see as you do. And he goes, yes, in agreement, I'll stand with you and I'll change that in your heart. So tonight, if you're in a place of feeling like you're, you're about to be extinguished, I want to encourage you um, that there's a scripture that says God is not quick to extinguish a flickering flame. And I believe that. His grace is powerful and so freely given. And I would like you to come up uh, for prayer for faith. And it's, it's not prayer for self-confidence or uh, things that are going to make you feel more distinguished. That's not the point. The point is that you will see as God sees. And that will ignite your heart to move forward to what he's calling us to. If, if you feel the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart and has just convicted you about um, uh, maybe murmuring or complaining against what is happening here, um, this is going to just be a time for you to repent and just to, a time for you to ask God the questions, the time for you to just bring your heart towards him and ask him to expose the things that might have hardened it and be okay with that because his grace covers it and he will soften it again. I think I'm going to finish there. I do believe that God wants, is, is breaking open um, a way here in the rock for his grace to come and that there is going to be a breakthrough. And uh, I had a picture of that just earlier this week. I wasn't sure what it was, um, but he's, I believe he wants to break open minds tonight, break open hearts, um, and let his perspective come, his freedom come, and his grace. And... Um, I just pray that we can move together as one family into the very thing that God's calling us to, a land of freedom, a land of rest, um, and to know that as we possess more land of his heart that he's calling us to, it's going to give him permission to possess the land of our heart that we still need to give to him. And at the end of the day, we'll possess all of him and he'll possess all of us. And uh, that's the greatest thing the greatest thing. So I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your faithfulness towards us. I thank you for your wonderful patience towards us, Lord, that um, God, when we do groan and when we do grumble, Father, that uh, your grace is sufficient, Lord. And Lord, you are quick to show us signs and wonders, Lord, but just to point your goodness out, Lord. And so, Father, I just pray that there will be a unity in spirit tonight, Lord. I pray uh, for those who feel discouraged, Lord, um, to know that you, you are quick to encourage. You are quick to soften our hearts. And I just I pray that upon us tonight, Lord. And, God, that we will be a people that will encourage one another on this journey as we as we come into the new lands of your heart, as we take ownership of what you've given us, the inheritance, Lord. 
we don't want to miss out, Father. And we want to respond to being a, a people that are distinguished, Lord, in your eyes because of our faith, Lord. So just pray your will be done tonight, Lord. We want greater possession of your heart, Lord, and you to have greater possession of ours.